warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. newspapers and the world at large, another murderer is on the run. And to the people in the lonely hill farms, the danger is real and menacing. No, well, I don't want you to talk to any strangers. There's some very funny people about these days. Funny men and that. I don't want you to be bothered with anybody you don't know. the enchanting young star of Tiger Bay and Pollyanna, now gives her greatest performance as a child who believed in a miracle and had passionate faith in a murderer. It's got to be a secret, but not to tell nobody. What are we doing? Are we playing with Jackie Greenwood? One of us might be, two of us aren't, you rotten cows. What was the strange power of the man in the barn? Why did he draw and fascinate these children? Would you like to do something else for me? You're on me an errand. Only if you do, nobody's to know. You haven't to tell the others. Well, I want this whole area cleared. He's got a gun, you know. Stephen, can you hear that? That is the sound of a barrel being scraped. A very large barrel full of British movies that hasn't got many relating to Easter. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was kind of deafening. Yeah. yeah. We, we we struggled, didn't we? we? We've got a couple of ideas. We did really well. We had Life of Brian and we had Long Good Friday the last two years. <laughs> and then it ended up being searching for anything that vaguely related to do with chocolate eggs or, or bunny rabbits. Yeah, 
So, you know, we've, we've got Watership Down to go, possibly. And The Curse of the Were-Rabbit has always been up on that list yeah, as well. Life and death of Joe Egg. <laughs> exactly. What on earth are we going to be doing? We might have to, you know, unless we can find something similar to this, because I think this is inspired. I, I can't remember well, who came up with it, but I think it, it's inspired. I think it was me, which is why I came up with a, a, a synopsis. But, um, yes, it was, it, 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 it was barrel scraping, absolutely. It's, it's um, perfect, mate. Absolutely perfect. It's, it's Whistle Down the Wind from 1961. It's our Easter episode. And the only reason this has been chosen is that there is a character that the kids think is Jesus, played by Alan Bates. Let's have the synopsis, mate, and then we'll run through the cast and crew. Let's do it in a different order this week. Go on. <laughs> OK. Um, Christ-like convict convinces credulous children while police pursue kittens kick it and faith falters. <laughs> I love it when you write a synopsis. <laughs> it doesn't give anything away, but it does, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's cryptic. It's, yeah, I mean, honestly, that would hopefully inspire a lot of people to go and watch the movie if they haven't seen it. It's Whistle Down the Wind, 1961, directed by Brian Forbes. Uh, written by Mary Haley Bell. I think Keith Waterhouse was the scriptwriter on this. And it's got in the cast Alan Bates, Bernard Lee, Norman Bird, and Haley Mills is the star of this. And, and a couple of absolutely wonderful amateur child actors that we will talk about at some point. And yet, the, the plot, it, it, this one has got a lot of reaction on Facebook and Twitter, mate, when I said we were doing it. I think it's one of those ones that's well loved. Good. Yeah, it's, I think it should be well remembered. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got um, it's got a quality to it that uh, you know, on the first glance, you know, a, a film of this age and black and white and set in a a, a windy, windy farm hillside. Yeah, um, in in Lancashire, um, yes. wouldn't necessarily excite in a number of ways, but the the quality of of this film in any number of ways, you know, should shine through and should make it memorable for people, um, I would think. So I'm glad there has been that recognition from the Twitterverse. Yeah, you just saying about wet and windy Lancashire, originally the source novel was set in Sussex, and uh, Richard Attenborough, who is the producer on this, Mm -hmm. asked Keith Waterhouse specifically to northernise it so they relocated it to to the Ribble Valley, isn't it? I think it's near Clitheroe, I think they actually filmed this. Yeah, it's up that way. And, yeah. and obviously uh, Mr. Waterhouse knows about northernising things. Exactly, uh, Billy Lyre and all of those sort of things. So that's famous how for. did you get on with the dialogue in, in this? I, I watched it without subtitles. It was fine. Yes, it was okay. fine. <laughs> because it, it, it was only part way through that I actually, it occurred to me mm-hmm. that there was, the manner of speaking is, you know, something I'm, I'm used to, of course. Um, no, in in Jesus, and um, <laughs> I've known uh, I've known you long of, enough to be able to to work to my be, way through it. To be it. able to to decipher the <laughs> reality. What you got under under your coat? It's my pulley. Um, and yeah. <laughs> you know the you know the the Yorkshire Lancashire dialect, of course, um, yeah. or, or foreign language. Um, so yes, it occurred to me that it it might seem <laughs> too forced in some ways. Yeah. Too northern and that you know two ears outside of the north. But to be honest, it, it, to me, it just felt like you know that is actually how lots of people speak in in the of course, yeah, broad Yorkshire and the borderlands between between the two. So I'm, I'm glad it, it it was it didn't need subtitles for you. 
And when you think about it, this is 1961, and it's we're talking peak um, kitchen sink drama here. So audiences at the time are used to it as well, I suppose. You know, it's not the, you know, the home counties. And, and you know, London and the South East was the centre of the world. You know, even though like, swinging London would probably revert that in about four or five years' time, you know, when the focus would come back down south. Uh, this is sort of riding on the crest of a wave, isn't it, for northern set movies? Um, we've done it again. We get this this wonderful... It's not it's not a bitter north-south divide, you and I. It's, 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 it's just this wonderful difference that how we gravitate to movies that are made north and south of Watford isn't it it's weird it is I mean the, the, you've got very rich pickings down there and there's not a there's no, not a conscious thing from my side to actually redress the balance with stuff from the, the north or Ooh. Scotland or even Ireland uh, at times it's yeah. not um, not intentional but it, it does seem to be an undercurrent that um, it is accidentally happens that um, the less metropolitan areas <laughs> I'm the one suggesting so but it's that diversity within British cinema that we've um, we've often talked about. Exactly. So let's let's get cracking into this. For people that don't know, Mary Haley Bell was the wife of John Mills. I'm correct, aren't I? She was the novelist married to John Mills. Yeah. And they had the three children. Uh, two went on into acting. I'm not sure if the son did, but Haley and Juliet certainly went on to forge. The son went into. Into films and, write, and I think writing it, I think it was like more production and, right. and that's that off camera stuff. Okay, and apparently Mary Haley Bell based the three children on her three children with the intention that if it ever got made into a movie, which chances are it probably would, having you know Richard Attenborough as a best mate and John Mills as a husband and Brian Forbes popping around for tea, you know, it would yeah. get made into a movie at some point. She made she wrote it specifically with Haley in mind in the lead role. Yeah. Uh, and Haley at this point in her career is absolutely worldwide famous because of Pollyanna the year before. And she will then go on to forge that little spell of Disney movies that she did. Yeah. Um, over the next three or four years before she becomes a teenager and then starts going into more adult well, not adult movies, but more adult material. If you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We know what you mean. Yeah. So, Literally, this is probably the best-known child actor at the time, you know, either American or or British. You know, she was worldwide famous, and with good reason because yeah, absolutely cracking talent. Yeah, because before Pollyanna, she did Tiger Bay, which I know you love. I love that movie, Tiger yeah, Bay. Yeah, great, great film, which we will cover at some point. So she's only sort of like two or three movies into the into her career. And basically the premise of the story is there's three children. There's Kathy, which is Hayley Mills. There's Nan, who is the middle daughter. And then there's the youngest, Charlie, who is absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. Uh, they live on a quite remote sort of farm in Lancashire with their father, played superbly by Bernard Lee. Again, the year before Dr. No, this one. We've got lots to pick up on here. Yeah. Um, and their aunt. Now... Did their mother die? I'm, I'm assuming the mother died. I think they mention uh, it somewhere, well, don't they? I, I, from my memory, yes. I mean, she's she's died in the in the film. Mm. For some reason, I've got a. Um, I'm sure in the book, not that I've read the book, but I'm sure I remember reading something about this some years ago. Mm. That in the book, 
she actually runs away with another man, and that's why she's not there. Ah, I can't um, remember if there's any mention I, in the movie then of, of where but, she's gone. But, but in the movie, I think it says that she's dead. Right. Because um, I think the auntie mentions something about her having died. Um, yeah. You know, what, after she died, what you've done without me, they're not, my, you know, yeah. my kids and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's that, that uh-huh. scene, isn't there, in, in the parlour where she's um, yeah. fussing about. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um the, the movie opens with a shot of Norman Bird. Now, Norman Bird, famous British character actor, normally plays really sort of sweet old guys, you know, and it would, it wouldn't hurt a fly. But the, the, the opening scene, he's quite, na- well, he's quite nasty throughout this. He's the villain of the piece almost, that he's got a large sort of Hessian sack. We don't know what's in it. At first, I thought, oh, he's a poacher and he's, you know, that's his, you know, he's. You know, he's, he's caught something from from the day, and he throws this sack into a a pond, into a, into a body of water in a quarry or somewhere by the look of it at the bottom of this hill. And the three kids who are watching him go down, retrieve the sack from the water, and it turns out there's three kittens in there. Yes. Now, the kittens belong to the cat that's owned by the family, isn't it? But but the father yeah. Bernard Lee has. As said, well, we can't you know we can't keep the cat keeps breeding, you know, it just keeps dropping these litters all the time. So Norman Bird, who works on the farm, has been charged with with drowning the poor buggers. Um, and oh wow, this is, where's this going? What's what's all this about? You know, um, have you seen this before? This film, I tell you, you have, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I think this is um, over the years. I think this is probably about the fourth time I've seen it. Um, from first seeing it when I was in my early teens, I think, um, obviously not appreciating it properly back then. Yeah. Um, but the um, yeah, so it's it's I've seen it over the over the years a couple of times, and uh, I think appreciated it more every time I've seen it. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, this time round, I mean, did you did you find more in it being that little bit older and watching it through adult eyes or? Or just you know sitting there and watching it critically, sort of thing for this podcast. I spotted loads of stuff in this that was really wonderful. Yeah, as usual, when we um, watch films that we do are familiar with and we're doing it um, for the podcast, we, we watch with a slightly different eye, mm. and that doesn't doesn't normally diminish a film. Um, it usually brings an extra appreciation to it, and it, absolutely for this one, there was a number of bits that either had. Not noticed for you know last time I watched it or just forgotten about um, and um, that that new, some of the nuances as well as um, as well as you know n- notifying n- noticing the the performances and stuff like you say um, certainly does lift it um, higher in my appreciation yeah. than I did when I when I pressed play to to watch it in the first place. Yeah, um, I mean the things I uh, notice is, is there's a scene coming up now as the kids have got a kitten each tucked under their coats and as they're traipsing across the field on the farm where the father's working Bernard Lee's there like repairing his tractor and and in the initial reaction you get or the initial impression you get of Bernard Lee that he's quite a gruff stern patriarch figure you know quite a stern father because he's like shut the gate shut the gate and all this lot and he's what you got under your coat that's where Young Alan Barnes says, I've got me pulley, you know, what you got under yeah. your coat. But there's a scene just a little bit later on, you know, where he, he proves that he's a loving father. He's, he's just got this air about him that he's trying to 
I don't know, it's, it, it's a little bit strict, but there's a scene at the table where you can see that he absolutely adores Hayley Mills because it's like, you know, don't let her stay up too late. And do you remember that conversation that he has with his yeah, sister? Yeah, yeah, and, and she says, oh, you tell her, she's your daughter. And, um, and he says what, uh, what and, she said, and then he winks at her or something, doesn't he? It's like... Yeah, and, you know, I think quite easily there's, uh, um, you know, Northern fathers being portrayed as being quite gruff and, and yeah. particularly, you know, Yorkshire, Lancashire, Northern men not being uh, the first uh, usually to be seen as, as expressing emotions mm. um certainly that that fits in with that um so i think i think character wise that absolutely fits um but there are the nuances to detect that he's, he's not just an ass he just is i mean to, to be honest he's probably got he's got you know going through something himself if you know his wife either exactly. died or left him and and he's you know left holding three kids and trying to run a farm, a farm yeah. on his own and, yeah. and et cetera. And then he's, you know, but the, I, I, yeah, I just realized there was more to this film than just the three kids and Alan Bates. That, there certainly is the interaction between, um, Bernard Lee and, and, and the anti Elsie Wagstaff. There's mm. that going on there. Yeah. Um, there's the, the background stuff going on to do with all the, the lead being stolen from the church <laughs> roof and, and such like that as, as a background, little vignette going on provides a bit of a bit of substance to sort of village life and it's it's not just all isolated farm stuff there there is life going on around them which i think contextualizes things a little bit as we but, find out um, later, there's literally a million children in the village as well. With the final scene, you know, so many children. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they have to actually link it the farm to being close to a village, otherwise, they would be coming out of nowhere like troglodytes, wouldn't they? <laughs> it's, it's, um, just these thousands uh, and thousands of children, um, yeah, and even then, there's two of them that don't turn up until later, so there's true. another two, that's um, right, they're, and they're billed in the cast as latecomers, yeah. <laughs> the children of the cast, if you look on IMDb, I think are billed as disciples, and then these and, two are billed as latecomers or something. And, and Alan Bates is the man. The man, even though he's named in this, isn't he? Yes, he is named, but um, because he was he was put down as the man, and yeah. I think in subsequent, you know, when they did it in the theatre and stuff, he's still referred to as the man. Ah, right. Okay. It is a, a thing there, like you say, are the disciples and <laughs> the latecomers. Yeah. Let, let's um, talk about Alan Bates because this is the scene that comes up literally after the kids have got these kittens and they've got to find somewhere to keep them safe. So they pop them in the barn in a box with some straw and we then get the scene where Bernard Lee's going to the pub and his sister's helping him put on the collar and he's, he swears that he's been shrunk in the wash even though he's probably putting on weight. We don't know. He's just you know, this lovely sort of like yeah. fam- family scene of the kids, you know, finishing their tea and going up to bed. and So Hayley Mills, after Bernard Lee has gone to the pub, uh, puts on her wellies, shouts out to her, to her auntie, she's off to the lavvy, and uh, <laughs> ends up going into the barn to find the kittens. And there's Alan Bates. Now, this is what I, what I was meaning about spotting stuff that I'd never spotted before. Alan Bates is there looking quite dazed, you know, and he yeah. sort of appears in the shadows. This whole sort of comparison to Jesus, because what happens is she says, what's what's your name? And he says, Jesus Christ, before he passes out. Yeah. 
he's got blood on his forehead, which I'd never mm-hmm. noticed before, like the crown of thorns. Yeah. Um, and all this is leading up, sorry, which we didn't mention, is that the kids bump into the son, uh, the Sally Army in the village and ask if the, the, the major or whoever it is at the Sally Army if she wants to look after one of the kittens. And she says, don't worry, Jesus will look after him. Yeah. So this is all building up, you know, gradually building up. As I say, says Jesus Christ, and she thinks, "Oh my God, Jesus has arrived." You know, it's, that whole scene is just marvelous. The way, the way it's written, the way it's all brought together. She she is um, not completely convinced, but she suddenly that seed is put into her, yeah. and she's wide eyed, and she goes back home and um, into the the farmhouse, and she's got. A, a, a tiny thing within the Bible, a bit a picture of of um, of Jesus with mm. the, the the children in the you know the um, the the cow shed or whatever it is, leading and, the flock um, or something. Because because, it, yeah. because of the way that you know, as an icon, Jesus is is portrayed. You know, a bearded white man. Um, <laughs> yeah. The um, you know, she looks at that and it, its resemblance is close enough for a child or dies to actually look like Jesus, especially surrounded by the hair and things. So that's it. She goes back and and for her, she's looking at a photo almost of him, and that that then is is it that she's absolutely convinced that that that's that's the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> it's just really well crafted. Um, whether that's a combination of Mary Haley Bell's original writing. And Keith Waterhouse's adaptation of it, um, I'm not too sure, but it was little subtle things that I was noticing. Like I say, the blood on his forehead. I don't know if it's mentioned in the pl- in in the film itself, or I've read it in a synopsis somewhere. But he says he's a wife murderer. I know he's a murderer, but he said he murdered his wife. Does that revealed in the film? Um, it's not revealed in the film, um, to my no. knowledge, it, unless it was mentioned. Unless it's mentioned when there's the newspaper headline, or uh, when one of one of the police um, in, inspectors is talking to somebody else, that might be uh, a throwaway bit of dialogue that we miss on on that. But um, it is mentioned in the the synopsis for for IMDb, um, so it must be in the book. Some, um, yeah, it's somewhere, but I couldn't remember it being mentioned in the movie itself. So apparently he's, he's, he's murdered his wife whether it was intentional or we don't know we don't know the actual gory details of what but it's interesting is. making him a, a a wife murderer if the the absence of the mother right. in the the family um there's a kind of parallel there because he could have been just a, a bank robber or you know something yeah. you know things like that it, but they made him it was connected to do with you know wife and, and mother being uh, removed from a family in the same way that the, the kids are obviously in a situation where their Ooh, mother and you... their, their father's wife is, is removed from the family situation. So there's a, a, a comparison there. You've gone far too deep into this, certainly more than I have. <laughs> no, but you say that there's lots of, lots of bits of foreshadowing in it where there are, are bits that some people may find, you know, if they're being awfully critical, might say is a bit too forced or, or, um, it is it's set up too much to you know um, be in your face, but I think that it's done with with a certain amount of subtlety. You've got to have things in in stories that are contrived, um, because that's what a story is about. Otherwise, it's just yeah. it, it's totally freeform. But so I think this does it exactly right. It's it's setting up bits of foreshadowing. Whether you're talking about the um, the kittens coming about and and the whole Jesus will look after the kitten, and then what the reaction is. To what happens 
uh, with the kittens. It's um, quite, a, you know, I think it works well. It fits together as a, as a jigsaw rather than it being contrived and putting you off. I yeah. think it actually it develops um, quite well. And right up until the, you know, I think more or less the end scene, I think, which is quite well contrived with them. I mean, it's rushing ahead, but where there's the... They go to, to search him when he comes out of the barn. and He, the, he outstretches a, his arms, doesn't a he? Dis, a distance shot of him stood there on a on the top of the hill yeah, uh, with his arms out in Christ-like pose, yeah. um, which, again, you know, might not, to some people, it might lack subtlety, but um, I think it's, it's incredibly well done. Yeah. There's so many bits in this that are a combination of the, you know, good writing um, in originally as the, the, the novel good screenplay being the adaptation of it mm-hmm. and then the way that it actually is directed and shot i think yeah. it's you know credit to all all three portions well, there that, that it's been um, incredibly skillfully done by by them it's, it's remarkable when you think this is only like Haley mills's second or third movie it's mm. brian forbes's directorial debut and, and, it's he, Alan, and alan bates's got, first big movie as well isn't it and and brian forbes i think is um you know, is is you look at his career. I mean, obviously, we know him his face from from being an actor in any number yeah. of things, and he was in a lot of credible films that you know for us, yes, um, are things that pop up on our lists, and and you know he'll continue to to reappear for yeah, us, definitely. Um, but you know, he was involved in um, producing films and then directing something like this. Yeah, um, you know kind of a a renaissance man um multi-talented in that respect and um i don't think necessarily he gets the credit for being anything more than just a a, an actor unfortunately i think he's a bit under the wire with it and i you know when i looked a bit more at what he did outside of just acting um, well, there's some great stuff on that scene. Amazing, amazing, yeah. Yeah, we've got, and, and we've only really sort of scratched the surface of his career. Mm. We haven't really gone into certainly like Brian Forbes' directing stuff. We've, as you say, we've come across him as an actor previously. Just want to touch back on you know, the bit you just mentioned there. I mean, and we are jumping right to the end, but as you say, when he's being searched and he's got his arms outstretched, and it does look like you know the Christ figure on the cross. That was a bit that I hadn't even noticed before, and I've seen this film about four or five times. There was something, as I was reading somebody's review of it online this morning before I came on air and spoke to you, mate, and there's a scene um, in the playground where the local bully is picking on the youngest kid. It's Charlie, isn't it? And I hadn't noticed this until I'd read it in the review, that he gets the child to say it three times about Jesus in the barn. Because it starts off, they're taunting the bully by saying, we know something you don't know. Yeah. And it's what we've seen Jesus, or we've got Jesus in the barn, or something. And he, and he actually gets him to deny it three times. And isn't that... That's 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 biblical, yes. The, it's uh, Judas, uh, denial isn't it? Of, denial of, of Jesus, yeah. I mean, the, you know, or he stops short of having yeah. the final reveal of, of him being in the barn based upon... Um, you know, any pieces of silver being passed over, so it stops short of that. that you know that clumsiness. Yeah. But um, but it's got that subtlety in there of of that that there is the um. Never noticed it. Yeah. 
that there is the denying three times. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, you know, again, shows there is um, a craft to this. And it's not as simplistic as, as it just being a straightforward story. There's there's a lot more that's gone into into the mind of it. And there's probably bits that we are missing even more so. We've not been uh, so aware of the Bible yeah. because, I mean, neither of us is, is particularly... Is, is, um, uh, you know, churchgoers and and stuff, and obviously at the time this was written, particularly by somebody who of the the age of uh, of Mrs. Mills, um, <laughs> Mrs. Dame Mills as she became, um, but the um, obviously you people were a lot more conversant with the Bible stories. A lot, you know, that was you know everybody had been to Sunday school and and grown up on it, and was still you know religion was much more of a thing that people bought into, unlike now. So there's probably more subtleties and references and and things in there that we're missing with regards to back the Bible story of, yeah. of Jesus. To be honest, see, I was trying to work out what the relevance of the church roof and the vicar's attitude was, because it's almost become a little, very tiny little side side plot, you know, mm. and I, and it doesn't develop, it doesn't go anywhere, apart from the fact that we get to see the villagers talking about, you know, that there's a murderer on the loose. That's the only, but it just seemed to dwell on the vicar a little bit too much for I no particular reason. Yeah. I don't know whether there was a, a bit in that where it was trying to show that the vicar had his mind more on, on secular concerns rather uh, than when they're asking questions about more yeah. spiritual matters. Yeah. He, he instantly goes to talking about the, the church roof and about getting the people who, who've, who've looted the, the church roof yeah. and stuff rather than actually, you know, talking about the the theology of the which we're actually asking about it. But, you know, he's he's distracted by, by the, the mundane Yeah, makes sense, um, yeah. Um but I don't know how much of how, how much there is any kind of parallel or, or, or parable um I, with I, what's what's yeah. mentioned in the Bible with regards to um I don't remember religious leaders. Yeah, don't remember the parable of the um the guttering thief, mate. I don't remember. No, I don't. I know I know there was something to do with going into a <laughs> going going in and, and, and knocking out over a load of tables um <laughs> the, the money lenders were out, but that's different. Um so yeah and it's it, it maybe it's it's something that is uh, uh in the in the book expanded more but it isn't in the in the film, it's it's just yeah. a, a vignette. Yeah, we can't talk about this movie without mentioning the the three the three leads. I'm going to say the three kids are the leads in this. It's not Bernard yes. Lynn, it's not Alan Bates. It's 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 Hayley Mills, Diane Holgate, and, and Alan Barnes. We've said this quite often, particularly in in Kez, I think that we've come across a movie, thankfully, where we've got three child actors and, and two of them are amateurs you know that are bloody great and and alan barnes in particular you know the these two other kids never went on to make another movie this was their only screen appearance from what i can see yeah uh yeah diana holgate did just this uh alan barnes did this in one other film right okay um and then Haley mills made up for that God, um, yeah, she stole, she, she, did. she stole uh, she all spilled. their thunder, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and obviously she's got pedigree, so that probably helps. But yeah. um, the quality of these child actors, and although the, the lad Charles um, is has a bit more um, pronounced way of delivering it, his lines and stuff, it, it's it still is 
what you would expect from a, a, a child because you can see he's there's the look on his face before he's saying things at times because he's you know he's doing the childlike trying to work out what's going on in a in an adult world yeah um but then there's other times when it is outbursts where he's not so it's not that he's he's as a as an actor struggling to deliver his lines no, it's he's very actually, natural isn't it yeah, yeah. he's yeah. doing it entirely natural and, yeah. and um that was the thing i was trying to you know part of what i was referring to before with the the dialogue yeah that his dialogue is quite pronounced and and um strongly dialect yeah um and it is natural to people you know outside of outside of the south um yeah. and i was just checking it didn't feel like it was it was caricature to you no no not at all not at all it's totally natural and the thing that surprised me we had a couple of comments on the facebook group particularly about alan barnes saying you know that a lot of people think that he sort of steals the limelight from hayley mills because he is so comical you know yeah. um and I was surprised to read, again, looking through some reviews and, and some sort of like plot synopsis and stuff about this. If you look closely at Alan Barnes when he's not talking amongst the group of kids, in a couple of instances, and I never noticed this, apparently he's mouthing the words of the other actors before he says right. his lines. But obviously... the. Brian Forbes' brilliant director has shifted the focus away from him so that you are focusing on who's speaking. I'm going to have yeah, to yeah. go back and have a little look because I've never noticed that before. There's a couple. No, I, no. Yeah, surprisingly. So we can all agree that Hayley Mills and Diane Holgate, Alan Barnes are the, are the stars of this. There was another child actor. Do you remember their best mate, Jackie? Oh, yeah. He's played by a guy called Roy Holder. Did you recognise him? I didn't, no. Right. He would go on to be, and I've, I've always spotted this because it always makes me chuckle, might be just a little bit before your time. He turned out to be Ronnie Corbett's best mate in Sorry. Oh, right. I think his name was Frank. I think he was the only friend that little Timothy Lumsden ever had. Yeah, it's quite surprising because he grows up, he, he appears in a lot of lot of sitcoms and movies as, as an adult. So he went on to have a, a, a career out of the kids. Alan Bates... It's his, it's his first major movie. Yeah. You can see why he goes on to become, you know, wasn't he in Georgie Girl? We've, we've reviewed, doesn't he? I think Alan Bates. Yes, this, yeah. this, is his, this is his second appearance. Yeah. So, you know, throughout the 60s, he, he becomes an icon of the 60s, doesn't he, Alan Bates? He's not on the, the Michael Caine level or the Terence Stamp level, but he's certainly one of those faces of of the swinging 60s in a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, you know, women in love, you know, wrestling with... Ken um, Russell stuff, yeah, the old... Uh, yeah. Oliver Reed, yeah. Oliver Reed, naked wrestling and... The films he ended up doing were a bit a bit less blockbustery and more sort of arty, I suppose. Um, in that sense, that yeah. there were there were ones that entailed a bit more of a um, of a harder watch or um, more considered viewing, rather than you playing a, a spy or, or yeah. um, some thief battling around the Italian countryside in a mini. Um, <laughs> So certainly the, there's the, the quality there of of acting that maintained a, a career. But yeah, this is an early inkling of, of where that was that was coming from. And like you say, he doesn't have a lot that he works with. No. It's, you it's, know, it's, it's the kids' very, film, isn't it? It's very sparse dialogue, yeah. to be perfectly honest. And, you know, 
Um, a lot of the time he just spends looking confused. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah a bit dazed, but, uh, dazed and yeah. hungry, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it is the um, kid's movie, it's not his movie, as we said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's that wonderful interaction right towards the end before he's arrested where he's given the cigarettes. Yeah. Or the snort, as she calls it, because he's called it yeah. snout, but she, she thinks it's snort and she's forgotten the matches. And... You know, there's her just peering in through this little little window through the barn, you know, this little crack, and there's him trapped in the barn, you know. And it's just that interaction between them is really wonderful. And and it's not just the 60s stuff. I know you're a fan of this movie, mate, but eventually I hope we're going to get to review Gosford Park at some point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, it is on the list. It's, um, it's on, it's on your saying, list, is it? It's, it's, on, it's, on, it's on the list. It's, it's, um, it's one of his last, if not his his last movie, isn't it, I think? Yes, because unfortunately he did have, um, you know, uh, died in, in his late 60s. Yeah. Um, so he did have a, a, a lengthy career, unfortunately. Died of some form of cancer, I yeah, believe. Yeah. So we could have had another decade out of uh, performances out of him. And, and, you know, when he'd been, got to a stage where he was, recognised as a elder statesman of, yes. of performances and, and uh, British cinema. We could have had uh, a few extra films out of him would to really nice. um, lap up and unfortunately lost to us now. Yeah, it would have been nice, mate. You mentioned it was Alan Bates' second appearance, so I yes. think now's probably a fine time to take a trip up to the Village Hall of Fame. Village Hall of Fame for you guys that don't know uh, there we've been celebrating over the last three years actors actresses directors producers composers that have appeared three times on the show and inducting them into into a Hall of Fame but we're not worthy enough to have a, a, a grand Hall of Fame we've got the Village Hall of Fame which is bursting at the seams at the moment because Stephen who's curating this and doing a bloody fine job sir thank you so much for doing this week in week out you, you've you told me there's like over 250 inductees now isn't there probably nearly yes. 300 yes. yeah individual um, personages yeah. um, yes it's getting it's between 250 and 300 now <laughs> um, it, it, you know it's, it is becoming a bigger beast than anybody ever expected it to be yes but um but yes, we, we've we've started, so we'll uh, we need to continue. We, and, we can't back out uh, of it now. And as we said, it's it's amazing how many people in there aren't the big names as well. They're starting starting to ease their way in now. Three years down the line, you know. I mean, we only had Terry Thomas for the first time a couple of episodes back. You know, in three years, and he only had his it was his first appearance, wasn't it? You know, so. There's definitely some recognisable faces in this, mate. Whether they're going to get inducted or not, this is down to you. So can you just let us know who's in, who's waiting in the wings and, and how many appearances? It's it's surprising, you know, that the, the likes of, of Hayley Mills, this is her you know, first, oh, right. yeah, first, would be. first film that we've done with Hayley Mills, yeah. you know, so 
um, that certainly gets us there. And as you say, Alan Bates, uh, starting off this conversation, mm. um, only his second appearance after doing Georgia Gill. Right. Um, we've got a, a couple of other second appearances, including Elsie Wagstaff, who's the auntie who was oh, in right. Heavens Above, and uh, Michael Lees, and, and Robert Palmer, but not the, the Robert Palmer. Ah, it's right, different okay. Robert Palmer. It's <laughs> uh, not like we had with uh, Brastoff, where we had... Um, in the band there was a, a famous name but oh, not God. actually the famous person who was it um, I can't remember now who was it um, oh sorry put you on the spot don't worry listeners go back now, go yeah. back and have a listen so, but um, <laughs> as far as actual people who are newly inducted into the Hall of Fame we uh, we do have three people from this film surprisingly oh wow okay the aforementioned Norman Bird brilliant um, it, it, which as you say normally he plays he's either played playing sort of Henpecked husbands, the, the, the or henpecked husband, or some civil yeah, servant. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's he's man from the embassy, yeah. um, or, or the treasury, or whatever. That's, but no, yeah. he's he's getting in and credibly um, performing in a, a different role, showing he does have Brilliant. range. So, um, and then there's Howard Douglas, um, who's making an appearance as well. He was previously in The Plank and Man for All Seasons, and uh, Gerald Sim, who was in Heavens Above and The Man Who Haunted Himself. Gerald Sim was the detective at the end, yeah. Um, who forged a career playing vicars. When you think about it, he was the vicar into the Manor Born, amongst other things. Oh, of course, yeah. It's yeah. always played a vicar, I think, in a sitcom. That's always what I associate Gerald Sim with. Wow, so we've got so three. We, so, three. So that's three, which is is quite quite good. Yep. We do have two people who are making their fourth appearances. Okay. Arthur Howell, who was previously in uh, Heaven's Above. Carry on, Constable, and Night to Remember. Unsurprisingly, we always have somebody who was in Night to Remember. Um, <laughs> True, uh, always. That, that was that was anybody who was an actor at that stage, you know, uh, in in the nineteen forties. Um, yeah. That was it. You if you you could act, you were chucked in that film. Yeah, it was a and the, yes, yeah, yeah. the other fourth appearance is um, Bernard Lee, thankfully. Ah, wonderful. Um, who was in um, uh, Dunkirk as well as Doctor No and Russia from Russia with Love? So obviously he'll be appearing again um, in future, and um, not just in Bond films, but he obviously had a Ooh, career. We got um, some lined up, mate. We've got some Bernard Lee stuff yeah. lined up, coming. which is yeah. which is great that we've got him um, returning as well. And then we do have one person who's making their sixth appearance, okay? Which is George Hilston. Again, who? Right, okay. <laughs> Um, and I can't remember who he was in oh, the actual uh, cast. Now. I I'm just think looking. he was just somebody in the background. I can't even the... see him on my list. No, George Hilsden, he was just one of the uncredited police constables. Brilliant. So he's um, he's, he's almost a Victor Harrington type. Yeah, yeah. He was previously in Sweeney, uh, The Man Who Haunted Himself, Doctor No, Heavens Above and Ten Riddington Place. So, you know, <laughs> but... but but who? Um, yeah, yeah. So, Brilliant. so we've got that. I mean, obviously, Brian Forbes has kind of done the triple, really, because he is uh, appearing here as an actor, um, a director, and he's, uh, he's also appeared previously. Uh, sorry, as a, as a director. So, yeah. Sorry, um, so he's appearing as a director here. He's previously appeared as an actor um, in Legal Gentleman, and then he's also um, appeared as producer in The Man Who Haunted Himself. So, oh, so are we 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 gonna induct? Well, I think well, I mean, we, we do you you know we do usually where it it crops up like this. We, yeah, we, I, we make the exception, and I think that 
yeah, that I, is worthy to do the triple to to have one in each. Um, it's it's like that thing, isn't it? The the four awards, isn't it? The Oscar, the Emmy, the Tony, and the I can't remember what the other one is. Is the Golden Globe or something? Yeah, so yeah. So many people so, that have won all four, isn't it? So that's that's it. If you managed and and within the Oscars as well, if you managed to get the best actor, best um, director, and and um, oh, yeah. best film or whatever, yeah. you, you, that's a triple as well. So so yes, um, I mean obviously that you know other things to to mention about it we do have with richard attenborough yeah that was the other friend, one. friend of the family um producing it um he's he's a producer so and obviously he's appeared before um a number of times and got his own in his own right as an actor yeah. and you know he's trying to see if he can his niece as well um because his niece was one of the children and charlotte was, yeah and so yeah. was one of one of the forbes children's as well i think was there yes sarah i want to say sarah name yep sarah so they've got the you know the they've, they've squeezed those in with the family connections but whether that actually went anywhere anyway i'm not sure but but yeah i mean it was you know sort of dynastic in a certain way and and yeah. certain amount of um, cross fertilization between the Millses and the Attenboroughs and etc. There's no red um, graves in this. Hmm? No red graves in this. No, surprisingly, no <laughs> red graves. No, must have just missed an opportunity there to to be in it. Or which is a shame because we could have we could have had the full lot there. Can you imagine um, that's a full house. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but certainly, um, you know, uh, it's considering the size of the cast. I mean, okay, the cast was was large if you count all the children yeah but they again like like um you've said with kez mm. um they drew massively from the local population of just kids uh, you know the local school and got them to be the extras for the kids apart from the, the main speaking parts the rest of them were um just kids that, that that come and come and stand in the background and come and run over this hill um and and stuff and um to fill out but as far as the actual proper cast as of actors um it is many, quite, is quite short really considering yeah. um how many we've, we've managed to it's, get reappearing it's not a massive cast list which is probably why it's adapted so well for the stage hasn't it because it's become a musical now isn't it a lloyd webber musical as well as a, a dramatic you know play as well and it does lend itself quite well really as well to with um not just a smaller number of people in the cast but also the number of locations if you want to if you want to try and adapt it for a stage obviously you, you need a barn um, you one. need a, a farmhouse and perhaps you need a playground or a, a village street and that's that's it it's quite simple isn't it as i say quite a, quite a limited number of people in the cast itself just checking we've got another inductee and it's a bit bit left field mate i've just thought of something is it the writer no it's the composer it's malcolm arnold oh right yes i thought this might have been his first one and i just wanted to briefly mention the music you know and it was like sir malcolm arnold and it's you know it's quite iconic the music you know the way he uses we three kings as a as a, a sort of theme going through it for the three children but previously we've had him as composer on dunkirk and yes. the holly and the ivy gosh yes which obviously it's not one you would normally look out for, so it's, it's understandable that he hasn't appeared. But if you want to squeeze him in at the back somewhere, I think, mate... I think, yeah, we'll put him in near the organ. 
Yeah, you can earn his keep while he's there. Keep keep the rest of them entertained when they haven't got a um, a, a chair. Um, No, and he he did um, a number of films that will will return him to Hobson's Choice and the the Centrinians films. um, The Constant Constant Husband, which I'll be bringing at some point because that's got a a bit of foreshadowing there. Bridge Over the River Choir and stuff like that. He's um, certainly got a vast number of yeah. films that, as as we've said, we don't normally highlight people like composers or, or the cameramen or, or whatever, but there's certain ones that are quite strong mainstays of, of iconic films oh, yeah. and have had had a hand in making those films what they are and, and completely agree that Malcolm Arnold was you know did add to this film it wasn't just it wasn't just music there and it could have been done by anybody he did um enhance this film with his talent so absolutely happy to to squeeze him in by the organ and uh he can, <laughs> he can, he can play, play a couple of ditties uh <laughs> squeeze him in by the organ um <laughs> could be a euphemism that couldn't it <laughs> i mean we, we've We've treated people like John Barry with with that you know such respect you know so I think Malcolm Arnold mm-hmm. needs to be included uh, yeah because as although you, I, as you I, said, although I I don't although I don't know the the, the niece of, of Malcolm Arnold so <laughs> there's no <laughs> that's true, I like yeah. John Barry that's true, um, yeah so there's there's no there's no accusation that um, there's favoritism going no, on there no. um, but, like, but yeah absolutely they need to be recognised some of these and and John Barry is another one that we've we've done. Um, yeah. On the music side, so yeah. surprisingly, I saw a review online this morning where somebody thought that the music was too overbearing. They thought it was like a constant throughout the film, and it became distracting. And I, I didn't think that at all. I thought it just added to it wonderfully. I think I'd seen somewhere there was somebody accusing it of being too childlike. That's the point, though, isn't it? Because and and, and, and yeah, and I think yeah, that's what I did think. You're kind of missing the point. I mean, yeah. this is a film that is essentially from the ch- the children's point of view, childlike innocence, and all that. Sort of which thing, is why it? the the reassessment of a faith, which goes on in the film, yeah, um, it's it you know the reason why the doubts are set in place with the children. The the catalyst for that in the very first place, coming from the young lad Charles, is because of the kitten dying. Oh, of course, yeah, and that and that sets the ball rolling. That one, the first one of them to have any doubts is him, yeah, and then that sort of ripples a bit more with some of the others to to have some 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 doubts. But ultimately, in the end, there's still you know, um, there's still enough interest and support that um, he he leaves via a sea of disciples when he's taken away, which again is biblical, I suppose, you know, exactly, and taken to the cross. That, that final scene, like you said, I'd never spotted that until last night. No, as I say, if I had spotted it before, I'd forgotten about yeah. it. Yeah, there might be a claim it lacks subtlety, but I think it, it, I think it works well, and it is great symbolism. Well, than anything else, all it does is underline your superb choice of movie in, in making this an Easter movie, mate. It's just literally, it just validated it for us, really. Because... Well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. Again, like you say, it could be um, me trying to go too deep on it, but I, you know, I did, I did see in a way that um, when he is shut into the shed, yeah. when the, the 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 final scenes are playing out and he's shut in, yeah, you know, that did occur to me. Was that a, a parallel for 
you know the um, the stone being rolled over the the cave oh. um, to keep the the Jesus Jesus in, and then he he emerges. He does uh, say, "I'll be back," doesn't he? Match. Yeah. Not in um, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type way, but he does say, "Yes, you'll see no. me again," or something, doesn't he? At the end, yeah, and not in a in a menacing way. No, um, and obviously, um, there's also the she does she does say about the fact that um, when the latecomers do turn up and the, oh, we missed him, and she does say that he, he will be back or he'll return. Yeah, and what the I can't remember what the phrase is she like, used. Is it, is it he'll be back or we'll see you again or, or something? Oh, he'll, he'll return or yeah. something over. Yeah, I mean, definitely, the, there's a lot of parallels there, certainly, and it, you know, you might want to say it's clumsy if you were being cynical, but I think it, it works well, and it works on a number of levels. Just this film, in the fact that I, I think it does have some appeal to children because it concentrates on children, and obviously that means that they miss out on some of the the subtleties, but just as it, it, in some ways, it, in some ways, it, it's a children's film foundation esque. It film. is very, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very similar in feel, in tone, because it's well, it's the group of kids are the focus. Because it's because it's by yeah by focuses on the kids, which is what those films almost all of them did. Yeah, and there were maybe a few exceptions, but virtually all of them, it was children being the focus, and things were from a, ch- a children's point of view. And this was is the same. And I think that's the greatness of it, rather than that being a deficiency in it, um, which other people might might have said on reviews. I, th- I think from the feedback we've had on the Facebook and Twitter is that it is a well-loved and well-remembered British movie. Uh, I think it's something. It's one of those ones that we've all grown up with. It's one that's always been on TV. Similar to A Taste of Honey, I know it's one of those ones that I always sort of remember fondly from my childhood that was always sort of on and we always say this on a rainy bank holiday or a Sunday afternoon or whatever but it's it's just one of those ones that generate that sort of memory for me but in summary I'm, I'm going to suggest to people it's not specifically an Easter movie because there aren't many out there as we have found out no but, no but you could do no wrong than to watch this over the Easter weekend it's, it's on Britbox Funnily enough, I only... Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I mean, I watched my my DVD copy, but then I noticed it was on BritBox, so it is available out there streaming at the moment. And and it's a a perfect sort of like bank holiday weekend movie, isn't it, as such? You know, I know we say this quite often, but yeah, it's Easter weekend, go out and watch it. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I did hope that we... I did try to pay enough attention to see whether there was anything mentioned on in the film or there was any any indicators like in the church church notice board or newspapers or anything to give us an indication that this might be happening round about Easter time <laughs> but no we weren't that lucky but certainly you know it's not just choosing this film because it it, it scrapes a barrel for us to be able to have a, a film for Easter it does happen to be a, a solidly great film from the history of British cinema exactly and it, although it's you know from yesteryear in many respects i think it has a timeless quality really to it because of it 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 could almost be done in in an updated form you know set in in modern times without it really losing anything i think today's kids would watch this and enjoy it though mate to be honest yeah i don't think it's dated that badly that kids can look at it and laugh and and find it quite yeah and I i think if it was remade and set last year yeah, I think it's they won't have to change much because it's the the basic story 
it, it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with the time and time it was it was it was made it's the story is more universal um it's not quite the greatest story ever told uh, oh, but uh, yeah, it squeezes another one in there well done <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do you know what? But yes, there's quality here um, yeah. that is is more timeless and and should be should be looked at absolutely. Like you said, it's not you know not something to um, to assume is purely for Easter. No, and it's, it's it's not even billed as an Easter movie, but you can do no wrong by watching it over the Easter weekend. So with that in mind, let's wind this up a wee bit. We're gonna come back after the break and sort of have a general chit chat about what's coming up on Real Britannia. Not only next Easter, but over the next few weeks or so. See you after this. What are we doing? Are we playing with Jackie Greenwood? One of us might be. Two of us aren't. You rotten cows. What are you doing? Ask no questions, get no lies told. You rotten cows, you're nothing else. You watch your tongue. It's always me. I always get it. Okay, Steve, and that was Whistle Down the Wind. What on earth are we going to do next Easter? What's out there? We, we, there's two, isn't there? That's it so far we can think of. Well, uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit. Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did, we did say um, Mr. Horatio Nibbles would have been ideal if we had. We would have been good if we hadn't already used that now. Yeah. As I say, Life and Death of Joe Egg. Um, oh, that's, that is so tenuous, but yeah. Got... Uh, yeah. And um, Watership Down, I think, was thrown. Watership Down was the was the other one, yeah. and I think then we'd run a bit dry. The only yeah. other one I think with any sort of plot revolving around eggs is Octopussy. <laughs> well, I, you know that is really tenuous. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but who am I to to you know be critical of somebody else for tenuous links? Really, um, it's not really um, something I, I, it'd be fair for me to go and. And pick up. We've got a, a couple of barrel scrapings, um, but certainly it's not as rich pickings as no. we have for Halloween or for Christmas. Christmas. And no, we don't need to. No, don't have to do a, a, an Easter film. It's entirely down. We're setting a rod for our own back. I know. But, um, I know. It's fun in a way to try. <laughs> Think <laughs> outside the box a wee bit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the ultimate thing is, if anybody has any suggestions, please. Um, Answers on a postcard um, to the usual address. <laughs> I can't think of any. There may be a couple. Of, our listeners are great. They they will come up with something. Uh, and, and, you know, it's probably more fun to have it quite tenuous. So let's see how we go uh, with that. I mean, even Christmas we're going to start struggling, we've decided as well, before very long. We found, a, we found one for Guy Fawkes, a children's film foundation called Peril for the Guy. Yeah, and I have found one for for um, Whitson. 
We're going to be celebrating every every major and minor bank holiday yeah. in this country. St. George's Day, we'll get in there. Um, well, yeah, it's actually Sh- Easter ones Sh- dry up. We'll, we'll... Sh- Shrove Tuesday. Um... Brilliant, yeah. As the, Easter, as the Easter ones dry up, we'll start celebrating other holidays. Other random national. ones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I get in there. This could also have been a celebration for dear old Hayley Mill. She turns 75 next week as well. Absolutely, you know, I'd celebrate that she's still out there and she still is acting. She is indeed, yep, yep. So that's so, a bit of a celebration um, as well. And it's it's not just, you know, rehashes of the parent trap either. Um, she, I noticed that on her, her uh, CV, that she's in all the, the remakes and the sequels. To yeah, the she's, she's got cameos in yeah, all, all yeah. in some ways in the, the rehash, which is, you know, nice when that's done and we yeah. appreciate that when it's done with other things. So, um, But yes... You know, we we do have that next year to come the the tenuous link um, for the Easter films, unless somebody can come up with something else. But yeah, yeah. we're we're heading down cartoon rabbit territory. We are doing, and then um, you know, in in the more immediate future, I think we've you know we're struggling less in the immediate future um, with some of the films that we've got on on the docket for well. to bring the the valued listener. Let's let's have a little chat and have a little think back about what we've actually got coming up. I mean, if I've pulled my finger out and managed to edit it, you would already have heard 24-Hour Party People, which I reviewed with Tony. But yeah. if I haven't, that will be next week or the next episode. Uh, following that is the next in our series on the Kitchen Sink Dramas, which is Room at the Top, I believe, is the next one. Yep. Which we... Well, well, with all of those Angry Young Men movies, we had a great deal of fun with that one, mate. That one we really enjoyed, didn't we? I think that was... Hard. Yeah, which is, is odd because, you know, people wouldn't automatically link fun with, uh, <laughs> with, with those films, unfortunately. But we know that is, is not, no, it's not no, the case. We're enjoying, uh, we're enjoying the progression of them, aren't we? The evolution of them now because we're into like the second official one. And we know that we've now got a taste of honey coming up and... The Entertainer and the L-shaped Room and, and Billy Liar, you know, some real classic, recognisable ones. And we're really getting into the swing of that, aren't we? It's really enjoyable, that series. And, yeah, it, it, and the way it's interlinking with with not only each other, but also bits of, bits of British cinema as a whole, it's providing some nice, nice contrast with the careers mm. of certain people. And, and, and some of the films are, are like the first first real inklings of, of talent coming out they appear in some kitchen sink drama, drama and then they went on to you know bigger more popular things exactly. um and more, you know more things that were were more palatable to um the wider public so yeah. it's good to be able to spot people at the beginning of their careers sometimes exactly and we'll, like you said before we'll see alan bates creeping into a few of those as well as we go through absolutely yeah yeah so after that we've got your choice which would be brassed off Yes, another Northern film. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving too much away, well, it was my first time watching, I bloody loved it. And then coming up, we've got two episodes with guest hosts. We've got our dear friend Mark from the Good, the Bad and the Odd podcast popping in to talk about Peter Cushing and Doctor Who and the Daleks. Yes, um, another 60s film, which cult following, and uh, we, we had a good old chat um, about the the differences between you know television Doctor Who and, and film Doctor Who and it uh, yeah 
it's always good to be talking to him anyway about films. Mark, He's yeah. always got plenty to, to contribute. Always, so, always um, enthusiastic, that man. He, he makes our job so much easier when he's on board. We, we love having Mark. Absolutely. It's like when Anthony comes on, he just, yeah. you know, he brings all the content with him and makes it easy for us. That's uh, it. Can, so. come on, can come on as often as they want, all of our guests, including, yeah. including a new edition. We do, yes. We're recording twice this weekend. Uh, so we're recording in tomorrow. Some of you out there may be aware of a podcast called the Sweet for Every Jesus podcast, which is absolutely hilarious. And it features a young man called Booze. And we've pulled a few strings. We made a few phone calls. And he's going to be joining us tomorrow. So this probably won't see the light of day for a couple of months, unfortunately, guys. But Booze is going yeah. to be talking about his favourite movie, which is, is it 1970, 1971, isn't it? Something like that. 1970, I believe, yeah. yeah. And it's Mick Jagger in performance, which I've only ever seen once, and I'm going to be watching it again this afternoon, ready for tomorrow's recording. But you watched it last, last night. night. A sneak preview, mate. Any any thoughts on that before we go into the recording tomorrow? Just that, weirdly, I think the one time I've seen it before yeah. was when um, I was drunk. <laughs> okay. That doesn't happen which, very often. Which, which <laughs> no, I, since I've not been drunk since I was sixteen, um, <laughs> it uh, it has been a long time. So it, wow. it almost like it almost was a first time watch for me. But yes, there's a number of other films that we've got on the docket to, to come up within the next number of months, haven't we? Um, well, yeah, that will bring us up to uh, episode ninety six. So we've got episode one hundred to look forward to. We're going to drag everything down with Steve McQueen's directorial debut i think it was with hunger we've got that coming up that's going to be a cheery episode isn't it that one that that yeah i think that the the mood is different <laughs> for that one to to um some of the other films that we're watching certainly different to watching peter cushion oh definitely fight, fight daleks yeah um so and then um I, I believe you know we've got a number of other penciled in there's um sean connery celebration we're going to be doing sean connery celebration uh cruel sea i believe was cruel going to be sea. covered at some point Doctor um, terror's house of horror with mark we've got dad's, dad's army dad's army movie yep yeah and uh of course we do we will be covering a third man and also quatermass um within uh the, the future quatermass experiment is going to kick off our hammer retrospective we're going to do those well the hammer horrors aren't we we're going to do chronologically with lots of bits in between and mark who has actually written a book on the quatermass series you know every single version of quatermass mark's actually published a book we should we should probably invite him on to talk about it you know what i'll just just let him record something and we'll just just edit it you know we won't even bother coming in it'll be fine yeah (laughs) get him him to read the book on air that's all we need to get get somebody else to do our homework for us yeah (laughs) So we've got lots coming up, and I mean, the, the, the rate we're knocking these out, this is going to take us up to sort of June, July, mate, at this rate. So plenty to look forward to. We've still got more Bond movies to cover. We've got more Doctor, um, we've got more Norman Wisdoms. We've still got to tuck into, mate, yeah, as well ca- as the carry-ons. carry-ons. And at some point, the, the Doctor series will uh, reappear. That's um, already been started. And yeah. um, at some point, we'll have the Centronians kicking in, I suppose. And, uh, and, and then we've got the various. Um, on the buses and things like that uh, to kick in. So there's plenty, uh, never-ending, really, for us. We will be doing this into our dotage, um, whether people want to listen or not. This is why we chose it. We we realise that there is such an untapped mine 
of reviews that we haven't covered. You know, on previous podcasts, we tend to focus on Hollywood movies, you know. Um, and it's nice, you know, we're, we're nearly hitting 100 episodes and there's no sign of us, you know, of, of the content drying up at all. No, in actual fact, as you've commented before, I mean, it's surprising that there's only been two Bond films and two Norman Wisdoms and... Yeah. Uh, is it three three carry-ons? I think we're on to three now, three or yeah. four. Yeah, uh, we, we haven't had. To we've only just them. touched a Terry Thomas film and and things yeah. like that. It's you know there is such rich pickings that um, we won't dry up with content, no. um, and hopefully it'll keep the listeners coming back. Um, All three of them. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, I know you've got to get off. You've got you've got things to do this morning, sir. So I'm going to say thank you once again mate for finding an Easter movie and, and for my ch- pleasure <laughs> for chatting about it with me this morning I'll see you tomorrow uh, for the performance episode ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening I've been Scott he's been Stephen see you later mate take care I will return take care <laughs> <laughs> Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. You'll hear about me again. Hand up, sir.